welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. I am your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Purple Mafia is available on thesportstuff.com, iTunes, Stitcher, and Double Twist. Nice to be back on board once again today, as we will have our annual draft preview. We're ready to talk Minnesota Vikings draft, as the Vikings pick 30th in the NFL draft. Yes, sir, we're ready to get things started here. Got things uh, put together. It's probably going to be an interior lineman, but maybe it's left tackle, right tackle, whatever it is. We're going to talk about everything possible the Vikings may do, at least for the most part in the earlier rounds, and hopefully in the later rounds and such. Got a list of players to talk about, as we usually do. I like to sit down and study. This is fun to do. It's a bit of work at times, but hey, it's it's entertaining, it's fun, and the Vikings always take someone else. But hey, you know, <laughs> you never know. Maybe this time the Vikings will take somebody. I got to think at least one of the five guards, interior linemen, whatever, center or guards, will be taken with that top pick there, uh, 30th overall. Maybe the Vikings trade up. Don't be surprised if the Vikings do trade up after their first pick at some point for... Who knows, as the Vikings always tend to do that. Maybe they have a wide receiver they're going after, a running back, maybe a, maybe another uh, tackle or a defensive tackle, offensive tackle, defensive tackle. It's going to be very interesting. Uh, Paul Allen also talked about a wide receiver he's intrigued by, but it looks like other, mock dra- <laughs> it's like other teams might be catching on as the mock drafts have that guy moving up. That's Anthony Miller out of Memphis. We'll talk about him because I figure once Paul Allen mentioned him, I better at least give him a look so you can see What's going on? Uh, Intriguing player. Uh, I have a very intriguing uh, running back stable put together here. Uh, All guys that are smaller, and that's the whole idea. We need a smaller running back to replace Jarek McKinnon. You have your overall uh, three-down guy in Delvin Cook. He's pretty much the do-it-all running back, catching, blocking, running, of course, all all that uh, elite athlete. Then you have the power back, Latavius Murray. But you want to get that lightning guy and a guy who just might be able to help on special teams. Because what's been the Vikings' problem the last year or so? Well, one of many anyway. Because every team has problems. Every team has weaknesses and strengths. And certain weaknesses get exposed at the last second and your season's over. Stuff like that. Like little defense up the middle in the secondary would be helpful. A new safety, possibly. To at least compete, at minimum, compete with our good buddy over there. So... And, of course, him being Andrew Sandejo, who obviously stepped up last year. He looked good, and we were talking about who's one of the more underrated, under-the-radar guys on the Vikings who never seems to get credit that he deserves, and that's Andrew Sandejo. But at the same time, you know what? You know, he got exposed in that championship game. Yes, he had a concussion issue. But, you know, at the same time, again, there's nothing wrong with bringing in another safety. Hopefully somebody that might be able to unseat him at some point in time and be a long-term solution to go with Harry the Hitman. Do you not want another safety? I mean, when's the last time the Vikings took a safety in the draft? Harrison Smith, pretty much. Other than a couple of late-round picks that barely pan out, you know, and and such, like J. Ron Curse and such. So, <laughs> kind of back-and-forth situation there. Uh, the mock drafts all pretty much have the Vikings taking Will Hernandez, Isaiah Wynn. Those are the more common ones. Billy Price, those are the guys we're going to be talking about significantly right out of the gate here. More than likely, one of them will fall. Somebody's going to go high, even higher than we than expected and such. Connor Williams has been all over the place. Uh, McGlinchey also. I don't think either one of them is going to fall to the Vikings. And if they do, who, who knows? But then again, yeah, see, maybe Will Hernandez goes super high. And then Connor Williams falls to the Vikings or McGlinchey. Something like that. Billy Price goes 15th overall. Well, he won't go 15th because it looks like the Arizona Cardinals have their eyes on Lamar Jackson, so good for them. As Lamar Jackson, at a point in time, was looked to go at the very end of the first round, a la his uh, counterpart there, 
Teddy Bridgewater, who was the quarterback of Louisville years before, his his predecessor, we'll say, um, went at the very end of the first round after one point in time looking like the future in the NFL, like number one overall pick. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater and Lamar Jackson. But it looks like Lamar will be wearing red again, but a different shade of red. And he'll be playing for the Cardinals again. So kind of cool. Louisville Cardinals, Arizona Cardinals. He'd be backing up uh, Mr. Uh, Sam Bradford, of course, for a year or two, and then bombs away, Arizona Cardinals. But then again, who knows? But I'm thinking that's where the Cardinals will go, and why not? Why the hell not? You know, I mean, you're taking that's probably why they signed Sam Bradford to be a, you know, to be a Matt Castle, to be a bridge to the next guy. So that's basically what Matt Castle's been throughout his career. He's a bridge quarterback, the poor guy. is bridging back to uh, <laughs> bridging back to just, uh, Tom Brady. Or, of course, at one point in time, Kansas City Chiefs were hoping he was going to be their franchise quarterback. Well, that didn't happen. And now the Chiefs eventually finally take a quarterback high, and then it's eventually how things head towards with Patrick Mahomes, the son of former Twins pitcher Pat Mahomes. So good luck there. Interesting conversation back and forth here. Of course, the Minnesota Vikings added a wide receiver, Kendall Wright, to replace Jerry is right. We talked about him in the second uh, segment. So because I figure leave it there where the comments are, talk about his numbers and what he brought. Uh, the Vikings also added a couple of players who haven't done anything yet in the NFL. Richard Cleat, linebacker from the Kansas City organization, Kansas City Chiefs, and Javaris King, wide receiver, from the New York Giants. Are the Vikings set at wide receiver? I think we're pretty close because there there's at least four guys on the roster that'll probably, well, keep their spot. Even the in- number four guy being Laquan Treadwell. Not sure a lot of people agree with him being a part of the Minnesota Vikings organization, but he's going to have to be for the time being, I guess. At least one more year, a make or break. And again, that'll be discussed in the next segment when we talk about Kendall, right? Tavares King, obviously training camp and OTAs and all that, and we'll see where things go. With that, unlikely, but who knows? I mean, <laughs> a lot of people didn't think Adam Thielen was going to be anything, and he really uh, ended up being something, didn't he? So we'll just have to wait and see there. I do think the Vikings take a wide receiver at some point in the draft. That's why we'll discuss a couple of those. I absolutely think the Vikings will take a running back at some point in the middle rounds. Maybe later. We'll see. Maybe later with Akram Wadley. That's another guy that Dave Hickey talks about. We'll get to his post here because he, he posted late, and I'm going to get to his post very quickly here. Uh, Mark Walden, Florida. Naheem Hines. Yeah, these are some interesting guys at running back that we're going to be talking about extensively. Um, I didn't go hard and heavy into tight end, but there was a guy identified that I do like out of Indiana. We'll get to him and such. Defensive tackle. Still possibilities because Sheldon Williams isn't necessarily going to be here forever. Might only be here for one year, so still look at defensive tackle. Three technique possibilities, and there's a lot of good ones in the draft. Of course, again, I look at at least two safeties, and one of them I like a whole lot, but will he be available? We'll talk about that later. Cornerback and such. So let's get to the offensive guards and get to the, uh, the cut to the chase here. If I'm not driving you crazy already. Well, Will Hernandez, who's been looked on as one of those guys who absolutely will be taken by the Vikings if he's there and they don't have a stronger opinion about someone else, this and that. Will Hernandez out of UTEP, run blocking left guard. So he'd be a left guard who is quick and athletic for his large size. Might, not, might end up going too high according to mock drafts of late because yeah, his, his stock has been going up. Certain mock drafts have him coming to Minnesota. Other mock drafts have him going 18th or such, even higher on occasion, but mostly 18th-ish. Um, what a beast, though. The guy's absolutely huge, and he would definitely anchor that left guard position, which could end up replacing Nick Easton. We'll see. It's that type of thing. Or at least Nick Easton will re- return to his backup role 
and you have the backup center, backup left guard. There's nothing wrong with having depth, of course. And, you know, if somebody gets hurt, then you then you have him. So look at it that way. That's the hope here. You, I think the Vikings take multiple guards slash tackles in the draft on the offensive side of the ball. Of course, you're only going to get one of these bigger, bigger name players here. Isaiah Wynn has been the most common denominator of late for the Minnesota Vikings at 30th overall. Out of Georgia, a left tackle in college will be a left guard in the NFL. So he'll be moving to guard. He's smart and he's, he's able to adjust and adapt to defensive switches. He's, he's got really good technique, an elite pass blocker. I think, again, another situation where he would unseat Nick Easton, at least for now. And then you have to make a decision at right guard still, though. So that's where things get interesting. Um, may I... That's where things still get interesting, the whole tackle situation. So I think that's where the Vikings would still take a tackle coming up. So, I mean, it's like, I think the Vikings should head more towards the right tackle position, right tackle or right guard because of that deal with uh, Joe Berger obviously retiring. And, uh, well, Mike Remmers luckily can play both positions. Just don't move him over to the left again, and we will definitely be stable at left if we take either Will Hernandez or Isaiah Wynn. Uh, Billy Price is a right guard. So there it is. Billy Price, who had an injured pectoral. You've probably heard about it many times. Most of you that follow the NFL or the NFL draft very closely. He's out of Ohio State. He is a higher-end prospect who would have gone 15th, 10th, 15th, 20th overall in the draft, if not for the injury during the combine, unfortunately, during the bench press. Uh, Will Hernandez looks like he's benching air. That's how strong that guy is. Jiminy, uh, he's going to be an awesome guard in the NFL. Um, that's why I think his stock might go a little bit too high. Uh, he probably is about as good a guard as you're going to get. But Billy Price, who was a, a right guard in college, perfect fit for the Vikings in the offensive line at right guard. Then you move Remmers to right tackle, which is where he was at the beginning anyway. Just hope Mike Remmers can stay healthy. He was oft injured at times. But then again, the Vikings were filled with guys who were oft injured. Um, a guy who could be definitely a steal at 30. And, of course, maybe even early second if he slips. But... These guys' stock could go anywhere. That's the thing. I mean, that's how it is. It's a it's a merry-go-round. I mean, up, down, up, down, up, down, a merry-go-round, a roller coaster, whatever it is. As they go up, they go in the middle, they go down, and it's all over the place. You're going to get one of these guys. One of these guys will be available, maybe two. It would be amazing if you could trade up and get, get two of them and have one for right, one for left, and then you're set for a long time. And then you don't have to worry about anything, about a certain position still being available. Again, if you take a left guard, you're still going to have to make up your mind where things go. Uh, the guy could also move to right guard, of course, or possibly Nick Easton there. Is he comfortable there? But I suppose right guard is a bit easier than left guard. That's the one thing. Left guard is definitely one of the tougher spots. And of course, left tackle is the toughest of all. Most of the time, unless you have a left-handed quarterback, that's where things get really interesting. The Steve Youngs of the NFL in the back in the day, of course. Uh, James Daniels, who was also brought up by Dave Hickey. We'll get to his post here in about three seconds. At least I thought I was going to get to it. It's kind of disappeared on me. Whoops, but we'll get to that. James Daniels out of Iowa. His stock has gone up. His stock is all over the place. He played center in college. Uh, he's got a lot of quickness. He's got a really good first step, good hands and such. Um, Will Hernandez, obviously, is a guy who makes it look easy. But then again, some of these guys do as well. Uh, good first step, though, James Daniels. And that's obviously key off the ball. Uh, he'll be a guard who can also play center. He'll add depth and versatility in times of need, which again, which is a lot what a lot of these guards do. That's what's helpful is they're not just stuck at one position. They can move around, uh, right guard, left guard, center, such like that. Guards usually are more versatile than tackles at the end of the day. This, like if you take a guy 
who's more of a right tackle and you put him at left, he's going to get annihilated. And that's what took place in the past with the Vikings. Oh, with certain names I don't even want to get to anymore. You, you you know who I'm talking about back in 2016. I don't even think I want to get to him. I almost forgot his name at this point. And it's like, eh, let's just kind of move on from that conversation. But again, you know, left uh, tackles are tough at times. If you, if they play out of position, it can be a bad, bad day. Where guards a bit more versatile most of the time. But even Remmers at left guard, it didn't work out so good. If you're a right side guy, stay on the right side. Because uh, obviously it's going to be a, an, an issue. Because certain guys play better on certain sides, obviously. And that's just how it is. That's natural. Austin Corbett out of Nevada clearly stands out among his other line mates. Very strong blocker. More than capable pass blocker. Keeping his man at bay. Really liked what uh, Austin Corbett brought. Again, another guy, again, just quite simple. Keeping the defender off the quarterback. Able to run into double teams and such. Push guys away. And you like what he can bring, without a doubt. Um, Austin Corbett, very intriguing. Mike McGlinchey, as we head over to tackle. Again, he's probably not going to be available, but if he is, that's kind of like, a, <laughs> I think, an easy choice. Uh, Mike McGlinchey or Connor Williams, very, very much, uh, <laughs> very, very much uh, exciting picks at the end of the day. If the Vikings were able to get one of those guys, there, he'll be able to slip. Uh, Orlando Brown out of Oklahoma. He was a left tackle in college, would move to right, which then again, that would be awesome if the Vikings were able to get Orlando Brown, because then there it is. Um, you still maybe want to take a guard, have him at least compete with, uh, like a left guard if you can, have him compete with Nick Easton. Not because Nick Easton's bad, but because why not? You know, why not? Um, obviously, the good news is you have two centers. As long as one of them doesn't get hurt at the same time, then you'll only have one. But uh, yeah, you'll have two centers with Nick Easton and uh, Pat Elfline at the end of the day, coming out of this draft, at a bare minimum, if not another one, with one of these guards, like, again, like uh, James Daniels out of Iowa, who's played center. A, a lot of these centers can, or a lot of these guards can play center. Billy Price is capable of it on occasion, but really, Jeff, uh, James Daniels actually did play center regularly in college, but again, you can move over to guard in the NFL, and that's very helpful. Orlando Brown, though, six foot eight, three forty-five. That's a monster. Again, left tackle in college. This looks like a stud out there. But again, moving to right tackle in the NFL. Uh, he started all thirty-nine games in college. It's going to be awesome. Uh, if he ends up falling to the Vikings, he would be our anchor at right tackle for the next ten years, which would allow us to permanently move Remmers to right guard. So you're set on the right side pretty much for a long time. At least the next four years or so with Remmers and with Orlando Brown, you're hoping for much longer. Uh, Orlando Brown was a tackle, uh, or his father was a tackle in the NFL for years, but Orlando Brown apparently has the tools to be better, bigger and better, that type of thing. So very exciting when you look at the situation on the offensive line. Uh, very strong capabilities here with a lot of these guys would really help improve this Minnesota Vikings team. Coming up, uh, <laughs> you take one or two of these guys, it would be pretty nice, pretty nice to boost to this offensive line, and you're hoping you could take another one deeper in the draft, per se. Uh, nothing wrong with that thought process if it does take place. I pretty much say keep looking at guard, guard, guard if you can. I mean, Braden Smith out of Auburn, Mason Cole out of Michigan, Frank Ragnow out of Arkansas. Taylor Hearn, Clemson. I mean, any of these guys, at least give them a shot. You know, even going further and further down into the sixth round or so, you just never know. Um, <laughs> Brian Allen, Michigan State, guys like that. They're just names and their possibilities, and give them a shot. And it definitely can't hurt. I am I mean, I, I would love to see two or three offensive linemen taken in this draft. 
just to absolutely get us set at the O-line at the end of the day, particularly in the later rounds if need be. But, of course, in the first round here, and maybe even in the second, try to anchor that line. Of course, you're gonna. there's a lot of intriguing skill players that a lot of us like to look at here. Let's start with the wide receiver. This guy could slip to the second or third round very possibly and might be a nice intriguing pick at wide receiver if you're in, intrigued. A lot of us looking to replace Jarius Wright. Maybe we already did with Kendall Wright, so I don't know. But still, nothing wrong with bringing in a guy who could maybe even help on special teams a teeny tiny bit. Uh, Deontay Burnett out of USC, six foot 170, so definitely a uh, thinner guy. Very intriguing, though. Uh, could be a Jarius Wright replacement. He plays a similar game with better range. He's got better range overall. He can make catches in a wider area, a wider catch radius. Uh, really able to make diamond catches and, and in traffic. Interesting possibility in the mid-rounds, maybe even the fifth. So, But <laughs> he might end up going in the third round. We'll see what happens there. Anthony Miller. This is Paul Allen's guy out of Memphis. He was a walk-on. He was just a walk-on and an afterthought when it came to... Uh, recruiting for Memphis. Gotta love those jerseys, by the way. They're really cool looking. Um, he ended up being the most prolific receiver in school history. He beat fellow prospect, uh, cornerback Mike Hughes, who we'll talk about near the end here. Uh, he's a cornerback who's in some mock drafts coming to Minnesota in that 30th pick, maybe even the second round if we trade up, something like that. The Vikings taking a cornerback in this draft wouldn't be the worst thing ever, but safety is something I'm definitely looking at. Um, but he beat him in the end zone. It was a good play. It was kind of cool. It's like, oh, he beat Mike Hughes there. Uh, and this guy's got some great comp uh, concentration. He's not phased in traffic. I mean, there's guys right in his face. Defender's right in his face, and he's making catches, and it doesn't look like it bugs him at all. I mean, it doesn't look like it fades him even in the least. Like, like the guy's not even there in his eyes. He's just like, okay, I caught it, you know. Even though there was a guy right in my face, he was able to keep his concentration and make the play. He could be a better jury is right in that sense, and I can see why P.I. likes him. Um, it looks like other people like him as well, as he's been surging up into possibly the second round. So he may have to... May have to trade up to get him if it comes to it. As if I has got to take an offensive lineman in that first round. As there's going to be a worthy prospect in that position. You're not reaching for any of those guards that I mentioned, in my humble opinion. Um, I, I really don't think you're reaching. Uh, Corbett, maybe. Maybe you're reaching a little bit. Maybe he could be a second-round pick. But Price, Daniels, Daniels would not be a bad pick. Uh, maybe slightly reaching with him, but not really. Price, Win, or Hernandez, though those are no-brainers. And Orlando Brown, of course not uh, a reach. And then McGlitchie and or Connor Williams. I mean, one or two or three of those guys. You may have a choice between one or two or three of them in the draft. So with the running back situation and possibilities of also helping with the special teams. As, well, Jer uh, almost called him, yeah, it is Jarek McKinnon. Obviously, um, a guy who is so capable, could make nice plays. He could catch just about anything coming his way. He could make moves around players, those spin moves and such. And he was also very capable in special teams. And he helped the Vikings a great deal in that situation. So definitely a significant loss. But these three players, I think, could help replace Jarek McKinnon. One of these three, anyway. Naheem Hines, who could slip second, third round, something like that. He's a guy I would definitely like on the Vikings roster because he's uh, incredible speed. He's five foot nine. Very quick, very fast, good shiftiness. Not only could help replace McKinnon as receiving back, but also great potential for special teams uh, as a kickoff returner to actually replace uh, <laughs> CP84. That's Cordero Patterson, folks. Um, he's got this explosiveness, and he ran for a lot of uh, special teams touchdowns in his college career. 
He's definitely got the ability. Um, he would be a kickoff returner, not a punt returner. Or some of these other guys would be punt returners, actually, as you come forward. Um, most of the running backs ahead of Naheem Hines are like 6'2", 230, and that's not something we need at this point because you already have Latavius Murray and Delvin Cook. You have enough power backs. You need one of those smaller skill backs, speed backs. Basically, you need the lightning. You, you have the thunder, you have the earth and all that, but you need the, <laughs> you need the lightning. So let's bring in Naheem Hines, possibly. Mark Walden's also got a lot of speed. He's the same height as... Naheem Hines, slightly heavier, but definitely plays a bigger game. Uh, he's, he's strong. He's also got three-down capabilities. He could be a starting running back in the NFL. Mark Walden out of Miami, Florida. Uh, Naheem Hines, if I didn't mention, is out of NC State. Those red jerseys there. And, of course, Mark Walden is a Miami Hurricane. He was hurt last season a bit, uh, which lowered some of his immediate draft position. He's got straight line speed, but also some shiftiness. And yes, he can definitely be a receiver in the backfield. He does have uh, starter potential in the NFL. Special teams a possibility as well as a kickoff returner, but not as much as Hines. Could you pick him up in the third round? Possibly. Possibly third round for Mark Walden. He's an intriguing guy. Uh, Akram Radley. Akram Radley, also brought up by Dave Hickey. He plays a big game despite being 5'11", 195. He's, he's deceptively fast and shifty. He goes, he he's patient. He makes big plays. Uh, and again, another guy who's a very capable receiving back. He's patient. He waits for the holes, and then he hits them at the right place, right time. And I can see the Jarek McKinnon in him that Dave Hickey sees. A stronger version of him, though. I think he would be stronger, tougher to tackle than Jarek McKinnon. Akram Wadley out of Iowa. Again, you're going to get a little bit of Iowa here <laughs> from Dave Hickey. I imagine that, right? But um, he could be a better version of Jarek McKinnon long-term, possibly. Is he as fast as Jarek McKinnon? Maybe. Because he's got the deceptive speed. Like, you don't think he's fast, and then he just takes off. So it's pretty cool. He's an intriguing possibility, Akram Wadley. If you can get him in the fourth round, something like that. That's my guess. Uh, fourth, fifth round, something like that. And, hey, you know, taking a running back in the mid to late rounds, and he ends up being a good player, like Jarek McKinnon ended up being. Hey, you know, <laughs> I was excited when the Vikings took Jarek McKinnon. I'm going to read what Dave Hickey said here because it's uh, extensive and it's good stuff. Dave Hickey, so I'll, I'll read this now, of course, because it's related to this section here. Uh, he, Dave Hickey says, I would like to see the Vikings go for James Daniels. Yep, that's the, the guard center, mostly center last year with Iowa. He was an Iowa player. I know I'm being a homer with that choice, but let me explain why. He is ESPN's number three interior lineman in the draft. So, which might mean he could go higher, depending on his stock. And again, one of these guys is going to go significantly higher than initially thought. One of them is going to go higher. Like, Billy Price was initially actually supposed to go much higher. Then the pectoral injury brought him down a little bit. Maybe he'll just go right back up again. So, we'll see what happens. Um, Dave Hickey says, again, he's an interior lineman, uh, number three interior lineman in the draft. He can play both guard and center. So, there is some versatility there. And Iowa's coach, Kirk Fenritz, uh, Fenritz said he is the most talented lineman he has ever coached. Wow. That's pretty good. He has coached All-American linemen. Yep, yeah, they've had a lot of good offensive linemen come out of Iowa. There's no doubt about it. Um, he's had several linemen play in the NFL, including Riley Reef. See, there it is. Riley Reef, who's awfully valuable for the Vikings, uh, stepped in admirably last year. Yep, as Riley Reef did that. Another player would be defensive back Josh Jackson, who I'm sure won't be there by the time the Vikings pick or a late-round selection. Running back is Akram Radley. Yep, see, that could be a, uh, maybe even a fifth or sixth-round pick, and 
I like that guy, you know? I, I, I see what you like. I do. I can see the Jarek McKinnon uh, comparison, but he's like a stronger version, like tougher to tackle. Might not be as fast, but still got that speed, though, deceptive speed. Not that I like about him. He's he's versatile, too. Yes. Um, he said there there is, uh, then there is linebacker Josie Joel, who is a Chad Greenway type of player whose motor just won't quit in Iowa. State has a good receiver who could be a steal in the late rounds of the draft. Alan Lazard. Yep, that's an interesting one. And, of course, the other guy, Jewel, there. Josie Jewel, who will be a later pick as well. Interesting, huh? He says, I hate to be all Iowa here, but that's pretty much what I concentrate on or who they play. And most of the studs, like running backs from Penn State, Barkley, yeah. <laughs> or the tight end from Wisconsin, Jeske, won't be there when we pick. Other than that, you can't go wrong with defensive players from Alabama or Clemson. Well, that's all I have to say about that, Joey. You keep up the good work, and I'll keep listening. You're definitely my favorite Vikings pod to listen to, and I thank you very much, Dave Hickey. You're an awesome guy out of Iowa and a definite Hall of Fame uh, member of Purple Mafia. Unofficial until next year, though, right? <laughs> yep, he's going to get it, though. Uh, Gerald Strings. See, yeah, I keep foreshadowing. Uh, Brent Jacobson, yeah, he wanted to get on this one, and unfortunately, I just didn't get in touch with him soon enough. And he will, he will be on again. I mean, I love what Brent Jacobson brings, like, like Dave Hickey there, bringing all these names. Lots of Iowa guys, but I think they're going to be good players. And, of course, Riley Reeve turned out great, without a doubt. Um, it's going to be interesting. Obviously, I, I didn't look too much at linebackers at this point. It's like, I don't think the Vikings are going to take a linebacker too high. Maybe fourth round, something like that, because you're always going to take a, a few, particularly late, for special teams and then see what happens. That's usually what the Vikings do. Because there isn't a huge need at linebacker at the second, but possibly in the next year or so when the salary cap situation gets tough and you got to re-sign Anthony Barr and or Eric Hendricks, then you might be looking very quickly at the draft for linebacker. That might be your first-round pick. <laughs> that might be your top guy. But right now, I think the Vikings are focusing on offensive line and possibly some skill positions and, of course, into the, the secondary, which is where we're about to get to. Of course, though, defensive tackle, there's some possibilities here. I mean, the Vikings might go that way in the second round. Very possible. Or even in the first round, maybe the Vikings don't take an offensive lineman, which I think would make a lot of us cringe a little bit, get us a little bit, teeny bit worried. But that's kind of how it goes sometimes. I mean, they're not always thinking the way you are. So, I don't know. There's a little bit of that. Well, we're going to stay on offense for a couple more seconds here. Tight end Ian Thomas out of Indiana. That's the one I kind of like, at least so far. He's a receiving tight end. Uh, he didn't get thrown to a whole lot, so his numbers aren't spectacular. But when he was thrown to, he got the job done. Uh, he's a receiving tight end, of course, not much of a, I mean, not as much of a blocking tight end. Uh, great speed and catch radius. He's got smoother hands than Kyle Rudolph, I think, and he makes things look awfully easy out there. Uh, he'd be a nice option for Cousins, about 15 to 20 yards down the flat. Multiple receiving tight ends has, been, has definitely become a thing in this league. So that's definitely a thought process there. Uh, when you look at the Patriots and Eagles, they're a multiple, you know, <laughs> Multiple tight ends has definitely been a factor, especially with the Eagles with Hurst. There's another Hurst. You're going to hear a lot of Hursts. There's Hursts everywhere all of a sudden. Uh, not like Garrison Hurst years ago with the Cincinnati Bengals, who was kind of blah. But, uh, oh no, 49ers, pardon me. He was with the 49ers and went to the Eagle, uh, uh, Cincinnati Bengals later on. Um, maybe I'm a little too excited here and I need to slow down. <laughs> it's fun to talk about this, though. Um, it's definitely become a thing, and I think Ian Thomas could definitely complement... Uh, the Vikings tight end core. And of course, you still got David Morgan, who is underrated without a doubt. He's a blocking tight end who can catch. 
He apparently can catch when given the opportunity to catch. Uh, Ian Thomas has a lot more promise than Bucky Hodges, who was just kind of raw and out of position. And I don't know, he looked more like a basketball player than a football player anyway, you know. And Ian Thomas looks like a long-term tight end. Uh, Maybe not a star, but a guy who could be valuable and could get those big touchdowns at those big moments or that big 20-yard gain that changes the momentum of the game. That 20-yard gain, uh, 22-yard gain that also Kyle Rudolph is capable of doing. Nothing wrong with having multiple tight ends out there, and it makes things quite interesting at times. And, of course, uh, he's, he's a strong player as well as Ian, uh, Ian Thomas. He's not soft. Just his hands are soft, which is a good thing. He's <laughs> very smooth. Uh, he makes it look easy in traffic and all that. So I like Ian Thomas's possibility in the NFL. So now we've switched to the defensive side, at least for the most part, I'd like to believe. Yeah, it is. Defensive tackle, as again, Sheldon Richardson is here for at least one year, and he's a dominant uh, three technique in the league. But, of course, I mean, for just one year, you never know if he's going to resign. Chances are he won't, but hopefully uh, he's he's here for $12 million. Will the Vikings sign him long-term after the season? Maybe, but maybe not. Maybe somebody else will throw an ungodly amount of money at him. So why not develop somebody behind him? And there's at least three players here, which could be taken as early as that 30th pick or in in the second round, maybe a trade-up for him or something. Maurice Hurst, I think he's going to go higher out of Michigan, but we'll see. Again, Sheldon Richardson is in the fold, but it's less than likely the Vikings... uh, It's less than likely the Vikings will go in this direction early, but you never know. And depth is obviously a huge thing, especially on that defensive line. Um, Maurice Hurst is a run-stopping force who's capable of pass rush three technique, first round, early second, ultimately for Maurice Hurst. Uh, He is more of a run-stopper, but he also has... Uh, three technique in him. He's kind of like a partial three technique at the end of the day, but uh, again, like close enough. You know, he'll he'll get sacks. He definitely will. Uh, Nathan Shepard out of Fort Hayes State. He's a three technique and without a doubt, uh, pass rushing defensive lineman. Good hand placement. Gets around O-line with speed and quickness to the quarterback and the running back. He's capable of, again, run stopping as well in the backfield. He's, he's more of a rusher rather than just kind of a uh, stalwart uh, staying put and maybe uh, minor losses, like a half yard or something, which is what you get from general run stoppers because they're not quick, they're just powerful, uh, and like a wall <laughs> stopping. That's why they called it the Williams wall in the past as well, like Pat Williams, Kevin Williams and such. But um, that could be the case here with uh, Nathan Shepard, who can actually get into the backfield and tackle running backs for loss as well, which often you see with linebackers and safeties and such. Uh, Harrison Phillips out of Stanford, this was extremely intriguing. Very intriguing. Uh, if you can get him in the second round, whew, wow, ooh, boy, he might be feeling awfully good if you're able to get Harrison Phillips and, of course, one of those guards or tackles early on, like an Orlando Brown or such, which I think would be a fantastic solution at tackle for the Vikings for the next many years there at the right tackle position. Harrison Phillips, though, super-duper three technique, uh, 100 tackles, 100 tackles. This is an interior defensive lineman. That's nuts. Uh, 17 tackles for loss and 7.5 sacks. So you got the Kevin Williams-like sack numbers, the tackles for loss, outstanding, but 100 tackles for a defensive lineman, uh, interior defensive lineman. Usually that's like a linebacker, right? Um, that's amazing. So, and again, he's out of Stanford, Harrison Phillips. Very intriguing. Um, ooh, if, 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 if he slips into that second round and there's a possibility you could go after him, I would not be complaining at all. Uh, he'd be, an, at minimum, an intriguing developmental guy behind uh, a lot of the, the the front four there at the time being, because you got your front four set for the moment, but A, people get hurt, B, people leave, 
see people maybe aren't playing aren't as good as you thought and this guy could unseat somebody um Daniel Hunter wasn't a starter until now. Daniel Hunter is a starter for the first time now. And remember how he led the team in sacks as a reserve. And of course, just because you're a quote-unquote reserve doesn't mean you're not going to play. Because obviously you got to have a rotation. You want guys that are fresh. If your defense is tired, they're going to get roasted and toasted by everybody. Powerful running backs and, of course, elite quarterbacks and such. The quarterback has more time to throw the ball. And your secondary looks like dog bleep because your defensive line isn't getting to the quarterback. And, yeah, it just goes on and on from there. So that's obviously why having a good rotation is beyond valuable. And you get sacks. You get <laughs> you just get a better, fresher defense. So nothing wrong with taking any of these three guys, if available, at some point, depending on the whole approach. Again, I continue to emphasize the Vikings most likely will take an offensive lineman, interior lineman, probably, with that 30th pick. Maybe even trade up in the first round. Who knows? We'll see what happens. You continue on the defensive side. I didn't really look at defensive end so much. The Vikings will probably take somebody later on, but I didn't really look into that as much. Forgive me for that, because I'm more focused in other areas. I like how we are at defensive end right now. Obviously, Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter. Taking a depth guy, It's uh, obviously it's there, and you have other defensive ends on the roster as well right now that are capable. They're certainly not as good as Daniil Hunter, or Everson Griffin, and okay, you know, don't be surprised if I just take somebody in the fourth, fifth round, sixth round, whatever defensive end. There's, you're going to get at least one defensive end of some sorts, somehow, some way. Maybe a special teams guy early on that can develop into something later. And maybe he'll stay on special teams too, as a lot of guys often do, <laughs> that aren't like main, main, super high-end players. So it's going to be interesting to see how things go at defensive end for the Minnesota Vikings in this draft, but I'm not going to particularly focus on that at the moment. For the safety position, which I think is an area that does need to be in question, uh, Marcus Allen is a really, really good run stopper. Marcus Allen, yes, yeah, sounds familiar, right? <laughs> out of Penn State, incredible run stopper. Reminds me of Antoine Winfield, actually. And a lot of reasons why I thought Antron Winfield could have been a safety uh, later on. And I wish we kept him, and I wish he was willing to be that. But unfortunately, it didn't go that direction, and off he went to Seattle. But that's years ago, so whatever. Uh, this guy is a really good run stopper. Uh, he is one of those guys on third down that will just make you smile. Uh, those third and eight type of situations where the Vikings have just ruled the last year or so, at least last year they did, <laughs> the year before, not so much. And a guy like this will keep that coming. He'll keep it coming for the next X amount of years. He'll just be a, another addition in that capability that can stop those third and long, which aren't that long type of situations, like eight yards, stuff like that. We're not talking like third and 20, where, well, you hope you can stop that as well. But those third down situations where you're going to maybe do a little play to the running back, and hope for the best there, and there he is, boom, getting the tackle where the guy only gets maybe a two-yard gain, and then you bring out the you bring out the punting team, and that's great, or the kicking team, whatever it is. But again, you prevent guys from getting in the end zone, which the Vikings have been great at in the Mike Zimmer era, particularly last year. I think Marcus Allen can continue that in the right direction and would be, I think, a wonderful addition at safety at the end of the day, in my humble opinion. Uh, Kazir White is another interesting one for the most part. He's an underneath buzz safety who reads underthrown passes, bats them down, and he also can get interceptions. He's out of West Virginia. A little less known player, but still a guy who could be, you know, one of those second, third round, fourth round type of guys who could be a big help for this team. 
He plays underneath, of which means, again, he's going to try to get in front of receivers, which can be dangerous on occasion. That's where you can get beat on occasion, but at the same time, he reads the underthrown pass as well, and he's able to knock the ball away to prevent uh, the receiver from getting back and making the catch and still getting that key you know, 20-yard gain or whatever it is. And he's also a guy who's capable of a, uh, a little ball hawking as well. But Marcus Dillon is one that intrigues me a lot. Uh, odds are he's going to go a little bit too high, but I don't know. We'll see. We will see. You never know what the Vikings are thinking. Maybe a trade right up and get him, just like we did for Harrison Smith. That was quite a surprise and quite awesome indeed. He would be a wonderful, uh, wonderful help with Marcus Allen, a very promising tackler who would compliment Harry the Hitman very well, I think, at strong safety. Uh, Cornerback Mike Hughes, UCF. This is the last prospect I'm going to look at in depth here. He can also return kicks and punts. So he's another one who could help with special teams. Just imagine. So a lot of these guys are going to help with special teams if need be. Uh, Kazim Hayes, I mean, Hines, pardon me. Even uh, Mark Walton, guys like that. So you can see my thought process here. Uh, obviously, special teams took a hit last year. Jarek McKinnon was a nice find on special teams, though. Uh, initially, he played a little bit in his rookie year. But then eventually, of course, Cordero Patterson pretty much ruled in that area. And then after we lost him, things not quite the same. And I think Marcus Sherrills has gone downhill a little bit. Uh, Mike Hughes is capable of returning kicks and punts. I think he could be a good punt returner. Marcus Sherrills is back, but I think Mike Hughes might be the guy that eventually unseats him if the Vikings end up taking Mike Hughes at some point, one way or the other. Of course... Some mock drafts have the Vikings taking Mike Hughes 30th. So you never know. I, I would be surprised if the Vikings went that direction. But he's a name. He's a possibility. And, well, if he slips into the second round, not bad, of, of course. Um, he's got blazing speed. He's able to get to the play, bat away passes. Uh, he's a major pick six threat with the ability to read the pass. Now, of course, he's a cornerback, not a safety. Um, he's a pick six threat. He, he's able to read the pass and make the catch and explode with the special team speed. He's a definite ball hawk. He had four interceptions last year, uh, has appeared in multiple mock drafts to Minnesota in the first round. Uh, so his name has been floating around the Vikings, and I would not be surprised if Mike Zimmer is intrigued with him. Of course, Mike Zimmer originally being a secondary coach. So interesting, interesting name, possibility for Mike Hughes. And well, if you're not too sold on McKenzie Alexander, and of course, again, even Trey Wayne's guys like that, Mike Hughes would be a nice addition, uh, but at the end of the day, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Of course, certain guys play different styles of cornerback. Of course, Alexander is more of a uh, slot corner, but at the same time, you know, at the same time, you might have to put uh, McKenzie Alexander at the regular cornerback position. Mike Hughes, to me, is a regular cornerback, but at the end of the day, whatever he is, obviously he's got the incredible speed, the incredible capability. He could be that ball hawk we need. As the Vikings, that was one of the things the Vikings were lacking last year. We were great at third down. We were, our, our run defense was good, this and that. Our third down defense was off the charts. But what was missing last year? Turnovers. Turnovers. And Mike Hughes is a guy who could help in that category. The Vikings were definitely lacking in the turnovers. And that's one thing that I think Mike Hughes could help bring to the Minnesota Vikings defense, and that might be why they just might be looking at him. It's a possibility. Even Kazir White is capable of getting the interceptions as he does, is again, the underneath buzz guy who reads the underthrown plays could uh, get those key interceptions. But Mike Hughes is the top ball hawk out of these guys, in my humble opinion. And he would be an intriguing pick for the Minnesota Vikings in the draft. At the end of the day, I do think the Vikings, boy, who, who are they going to wind up with? It's it's going to be Hernandez, Isaiah Wynn, who again becomes the most common denominator at the end of the day. I'm intrigued by Orlando Brown an awful lot. 
I kind of hope you could. I kind of hope they wind up with Orlando Brown. That's kind of who I'm hoping for, because then you're set, you know. And again, again, you, the only thing is you need a guard, but you're set at tackle for like forever. And Mike Remmers, well, he becomes that right guard. So you don't lose anything with Berger. And at the end of the day, you kind of are set because if Nick Easton can return healthy and continuing to improve at left guard and such, you're kind of set. You're kind of in good shape. So I kind of am... If, if I were to put my stamp, my Purple Mafia stamp on a certain player, a certain situation that I think might help this team the most or the 30th overall pick... I think it's Orlando Brown out of Oklahoma. So there it is. Orlando Brown officially is my endorsement at the first pick there. But Mike Hughes is a guy. Uh, Mike Hughes, Marcus Allen are two guys I really would love the Vikings to go after. And, of course, again, if you can get uh, Hines in that third round, oh, I would be dancing third or even fourth round if he slips that far. I I don't know if he's going to slip that far. But if Hines does slip into the fourth round and he's there, and, oh, man, and he's there when, when it's our turn, I'll be jumping for joy. And, of course, you could trade up to get him at that point. I mean, it's possible. The fourth round, I think, is easier to trade up into than, obviously, you know, the previous rounds. But even trading up in the third, I know, it, it all depends. I mean, you can't get all the guys you want, obviously. You're going to get some names that you're like, huh, they took him, huh? Well, okay. Stuff like that. And maybe they end up being much better than what you thought your guy was going to be. So, who knows? Um it's going to be intriguing. It's going to be fun. That's why we love the NFL draft. It's Christmas time for football fans. You know, free agency is Christmas time in a lot of ways, but the draft is even more so because this is where the future stars come. This is where your real team is developed. Free agency helps. Free agency helps, but the draft is the foundation of your franchise. And when you take a guy like Orlando Brown, that's a foundation right there, I think, for the future. Right tackle, Orlando Brown. Left tackle, Riley Reef. Left guard, Nick Easton. Center, Pat Alfline. Right guard, Mike Remmers. Sounds like five starting linemen to me. It doesn't sound like, oh my God, TJ Clemmings. Oh my God, TJ Clemmings. Oh no, oh God, help me, please, no. Oh, or, you know, and, and then you still have Rashard Hill. You still have, uh, he's a dosi. You still have those guys. So, I mean, you still got a chance. You still got pieces. And who's to say you can't take another one at the end of the day? Um, I like Josh Daniels, too, and I would be happy to have him. I'd be happy to see Josh Daniels with the Minnesota Vikings, but we'll see how things go with that at the end of the day. But with that, we're going to wrap up this segment. We're going to kind of move on here into fan interaction. I apologize to Brent Jacobson as it kind of was a last-second thing here. I would like to have him on. Maybe he was going to call in or something. I wish I got back to you last night, but... Luckily, uh, all's well that ends well. So he'll come back on the next show, maybe just kind of discuss the guys that are taken, as more than likely the next show will be post-draft. So things will get interesting after that. But for now, we're going to hear from you guys. You guys in segment number two. And we are back here on Purple Mafia, segment number two, fan interaction. Going to be a bit shorter because, of course, off-season show and only two segments on most off-season shows unless there's like a million things to talk about, which... Well, at this point, it's mostly the draft and some minor transactions. So, Twitter account, want to thank James Beck, Vince Germano, and Tanae Brown for retweeting the show. Thank you guys very much for retweeting the last episode. Free Agent Frenzy, episode 220, or 266, pardon me. This is 267, the draft preview for 2018. And that's it for Twitter, at Purple Mafia Show, at Purple Mafia Show. So not so much interaction since the last show. But, you know, it's the it's obviously the off-season thing slowed down a little bit. But luckily, a lot of you haven't disappeared too much. People tend to disappear after the Super Bowl for a little while, but then make a little return to Purple Mafia. And I appreciate that very much. Uh, very interesting comments. 
Well, I'll get back to that in a second. Let's continue off of the last show here, like I always do, on the Facebook page. Facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. Also, MN Vikings Haven. MN Vikings Haven. Want to give a quick shout out to them. Trevor Wickerin and others out there run that web, that Facebook page. And can't thank you guys enough for allowing me to post links to Purple Mafia on that Facebook page. Nice in-game threads and Vikings news and this and that. Just good place to comment and nice people there indeed. And they allow me again to post links to Purple Mafia. So I'm more than obliged to give them a shout out on each and every Purple Mafia episode. So let's continue off where I do from the last posting of the last show. Mark Carlson from Iowa says, wow, says, what? Wow, my dull day has just gotten exciting as he wasn't expecting the show to pop up on him like that, just like this one's going to pop up on you as well. James Beck says, aha, I got you confused a bit, Joey. The second tweet was a bit of a segue when I was talking about how, where, yeah, I, I was wondering what he means, how it had been kind of a crappy day. I was like, why are things not going so good? Like, what does he mean? And he said, it was a bit about his uh, his his soccer team, not necessarily aimed towards the show, more towards a small group of fellow Vikings slash Wednesday fans. I am, however, over the moon with your reaction to it on the show. Fantastic stuff, and yeah, thank you very much. And it's it's fun to, it's fun, right? It's it's always fun to have me go like, what, huh? Yeah, to, to get somebody to kind of respond and be like, huh? What does he mean? Let me know. Let me know. So James Beck out of the UK. Great guy. Thank you very much. And a future Hall of Famer, most likely. Again, Mark Carlson and Gerald String. Hall of Famers for Purple Mafia in the first class here. First, The first class of Hall of Famers for the Purple Mafia show. Gerald, of course, is out of Nebraska. He says, great show, Joey. Man, the fan interaction was awesome. Yeah, and it was a big one, wasn't it? A lot smaller this time around. But hey, you know, it is what it is. Things quiet down a bit as we wait for the draft. It's basically everybody just sitting going, come on, come on, maybe watching YouTube videos on their guy, this and that. Just hoping that this guy slips or the Vikings start thinking the same way we are. Oh, there's a few guys that you heard on that first segment. I would be, I would be over the moon, as James Bex would say, if the Vikings were to take him. Oh, I just... <laughs> <laughs> especially fixing that offensive line first and foremost. But then, yeah, to get the special teams back rolling again like they were before, that could be very helpful for a team that didn't have a whole lot of special teams help last year. So anyhow, Gerald says, yeah, I guess you could tell I'm not really in the camp supporting the big contract. That's for, of course, Case Keenum. It looks good on paper, I suppose, but anything less than a Super Bowl championship is a bust again. I think championships are one based on chemistry in the locker room more than big stats and individual contracts. We'll see. Obviously, I'm forever a Vikings fan and really hoping this works out. I won't at all feel bad that I was wrong. And and yeah, same here. Sometimes I like being wrong because it's like, hey, it ended up being much better than I thought. That type of thing. Which, like the whole thing with Tom Thibodeau and the Timberwolves, is you might want to check that show out. Uh, I kind of gave Tom Thibodeau a little bit of a piece of my mind. A little bit. Not that bad, though. Not as bad as you might think. But generally speaking, the Timberwolves... Struggling this season. Extreme frustration. Chim rules explosion. Okay. Sorry, I'm like plugging my own show. But, eh, you know. Maybe you want to... Maybe some of you out there are curious how I feel about that team. Sorry, Gerald. I better get back to this. However, I do like the Sheldon Richardson signing. Yep, and absolutely. Uh, thought that was a perfect fit. Skull, and thanks for another stellar podcast. And thank you, Gerald, for another stellar post here on the Facebook page. Always, man. Um... Sheldon Richardson signing, without a doubt. I mean, that's exactly what the Vikings need. And you might have another long-term solution coming up behind him in the draft, possibly. Again, as talked about in the first uh, first segment there. Maybe. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. And uh, hey, if we end up signing uh, 
Sheldon Richardson long-term after the season, that would be terrific too, as long as it's not too crazy. But obviously in the NFL, nothing's forever. It's not for long. That's what, that's what NFL stands for, and we've talked about that a billion times. Interesting comments from Mike Zimmer, as the Vikings were still concerned with Teddy Bridgewater's knee after 2017, as he was just he wasn't completely comfortable, not comfortable with the whole thing. And now with the New York Jets, it's become an uncertainty. As, uh, I was saying $5 million guaranteed for Teddy Bridgewater. I stand corrected. How about 500000 guaranteed for Teddy Bridgewater for the New York Jets? Um, again, to, to reach all the incentives, he'd have to climb Mount Everest with a unicycle while blindfolded. So that's to get to, like, was it like $12 million or so or $10 million, I think it was. Um, so <laughs> I'm not, like, looking at that at the moment. I'm more focused on the draft. But Teddy, uh, I love the guy. You know, God bless him. I... You could see that he was a winner, and he wasn't, like, out asking, where's the party, where's this, where's that? I have to be in front of the camera every second. I have to have jewels glittering all over my face all day. and You know, you know what? Whatever it is, you can be whatever you are, but at the same time, I like professional-type people, and I saw that from Teddy Bridgewater, and you don't see that from a lot of other guys. Like a David Beckham, you know, he's more interested in having his hair shine for the camera than... Uh, you know, like putting on a ring. You know, the only jewelry I'm concerned with as a athlete or a fan, whatever, is a ring. And that's it. That's the only jewelry I care about. I don't or any cute hairdos or anything. Just go out there and play. That's all I care about. And I love that about Teddy Bridgewater. So I'm opening up a bit, a little bit of why I like Teddy so much. But again, there's more to it than just that. I mean, the guy obviously... He knew how to play the game, and he was smart, and he didn't put himself into stupid, risky uh, situations like a Culpepper might, or obviously a Christian Ponder, who, Christian Ponder would panic and flip out and then throw the stupidest passes you ever saw, and by the way, there was like, the only special skill he had was maybe to scramble a little bit. His accuracy was below average, his arm was below average, his game plan, his his poise in the pocket was was below the freaking turf. I mean, it was pathetic. So you saw a lot better poise, leadership, uh, smart plays, you know, run for that first down and then make a slide rather than like break your shoulder like a Dante Culpepper type of player. So I appreciated what Teddy Bridgewater brought in a nutshell. Long story longer or long story attempting to shorten it a little bit. To the comments, Mark Carlson says... The conversation continues because the fans still talk about him, like me. <laughs> Even after the trade, Vikings fans like me. Yep, and, and he said they like me, and I said the okay. Love him. What could have been, we will never know. I wish him all the success and hope he has a long, healthy career. I guess after saying that, I feel like we're giving up a favorite toy at a garage sale. And it is kind of like that. Like the whole uh, song, Mayan Television, whatever. That was It was made like in 2003, whatever, when they brought out in, ah, what was it called? It was some kind of a plug-and-play and television thing back in, like, 2003. Oh, no, no. It was for the PlayStation 2. They brought it out. Um, or you could actually play in television games on your uh, PlayStation 2. And that song was like how it was a British guy singing. I just loved that song. Loved the voice. Loved the whole thing. It was a, it was entertaining, hilarious how he wants his in television. And that's like Teddy Bridgewater. You know, you're in television, early 80s uh, game system with a phone-looking... Uh, uh, wired in controllers um and he said at the end of the song as the song slowed down and got sad and he said my mum sold mine at the garage sale pity <laughs> and that's kind of what this felt like they sold teddy bridgewater at a garage sale pity like he just couldn't believe it like it's gone like great but uh, luckily 
years later you get your television back on the PlayStation 2 and of course there's eBay now or they really uh well eBay was around in 2003 but yeah <laughs> the whole 80s and the whole 90s uh yeah there was no eBay until like the late 90s anyhow and they probably overpriced it at the beginning luckily I got mine for 60 bucks how about that that's a deal of the I was just like <gasps> I was able to buy it now for $60. I couldn't believe it. That was awesome. So, yeah, and it works like just just turn the switch on and it works in television. Yeah. Take that PlayStation 4 and Xbox uh, one and all that. <laughs> I like the smart capabilities of the new systems, but other than that, the games, I'm not just not into that 3D whatever. They all look the same to me. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I just I suppose that's why there was a video game crash in the in the early 80s, too, though, because they were kind of all the same. I guess there was a bunch of Pac-Man centipedes and asteroids, and that kind of hurt the games. But I'm surprised. <laughs> but I guess there won't be a video game crash now, even though everything looks like Walking Dead or Call of Duty. That's, like, all it is now. So my interest level is not that high because of that. It's just they're all the same. First-person shooters. Woo-hoo. Okay, enough of that. The Vikings replaced Jarius Wright with Kendall Wright at wide receiver. Kendall Wright. Who's this Kendall guy? Yeah, well, Kendall's part of the Vikings now, and I'm happy to have him. Yes. The transaction took place at the end of March, on March the 30th to be exact, so nice to have Kendall Wright in the fold. I figured keep the whole first segment focused on the draft, if humanly possible. Kendall Wright ultimately came from the Tennessee Titans and Chicago Bears. He was at the Bears last year, 614 yards, only one touchdown. But, of course, that passing offense, you're not going to get that many touchdowns. There were some yards, though, from Mitchell Trubisky, but they didn't get in the end zone a whole lot. Um, solid six-year career so far from Kendall Wright. Basically the same draft as uh, Jarius Wright. So, interesting. Uh, First-round pick, though, 20th overall by Tennessee. Interesting. Um, from Mount Pleasant, Texas. And he played for Baylor, so those bright, very bright uniforms, particularly in college, only 5'10". But yeah, plays that slot position very similar to Jarius. So, I don't know. I mean, it was a, finan it was a financial move getting rid of Jarius. Uh, he was making more than I thought, like $4 million, So, I don't know. I guess. Uh, but Kendall Wright, nice to have him on board. Only one year at the moment, and we'll go from there. He had a 1,000-yard, 1,079-yard uh, season in 2013. His second year, only two touchdowns. That's crazy. Uh, but again, that offense wasn't so good back then either. 626 as a rookie with four touchdowns. He had six touchdowns in 2014, 715 yards there. He had 94 catches, by the way, for the Tennessee Titans in 2013. Wow! That's a lot. 2013, if I said that right. Only 36 the next year. And 29 the next year. Yards just over 403 touchdowns in his last two seasons of Tennessee. Went on to the Bears again last year. Caught 59 passes. And again, only one touchdown with the 614 yards as mentioned. So it's nice to have Kendall Wright in the fold. He plays a similar position, similar style, and all that as Jarius Wright. But nobody's exactly the same. And hey, you know, I mean, he's a nice addition. The Vikings, I wouldn't be surprised again if the Vikings take one wide receiver in the draft, possibly for special teams at first and depth and all that, and Laquan Treadwell insurance, if you know what I mean. And again, that's what you'll hear about here in the uh, fan interaction as to Laquan Treadwell versus this guy. And then, of course, Stacey Coley's still on the roster. He's still a hopeful for at least special teams or something. But again, if my guy gets taken <laughs> over there uh, in the draft, the running back, that would be a very nice addition out of NC State there. Um, well, <laughs> so, I mean, I, yeah, I said a lot about him in the first segment. John E. Flatland says, why is Treadwell still here? He's a bust. Gerald Sring responds with, because we drafted him too high and they're forcing it. My guess is this year is it. 
ship shape up or ship out. Yeah, exactly. Or show up or ship out, as is how uh, Mr. Gerald said it. And yeah, that's why Christian Ponder was here for a little while, even though he probably didn't deserve to be. Uh, Brent Jacobson says, this will almost for certain be a make or break year for Treadwell. I think he could be a good safety valve option in our new offensive scheme, and that's possible with, of course, uh, John D. Filippo as the, as the coordinator now. Jeff Lance says it already is make or break. Yeah, it, it is for me. I, I think it's make or break. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I think this is Treadwell's last chance. Uh, Eric Mustard says, in my opinion, this was the right move with a W before the right. And yes, that's a good one. I like that. <laughs> it's nice to have him on board. It's a good move. I mean, he's obviously an NFL player. So, you know, fairly high draft pick years ago, too. Gerald String says, seen some highlights on NFL Network. Wow, pretty solid number three to go along with the other two. Plus, Randolph looks like a pretty positive pickup here, question mark. Yes, I think it is. Um, I like what I saw some, from Kendall also, and he might even be an upgrade from Jarius. So, we'll see. Uh, great. I'm not bad at it at all. There you go. Uh, this means, obviously, yeah, don't take a wide receiver too high. And, of course, obviously, our best wide receiver wasn't drafted. That's Adam Thielen. Or if you want to say Stefan Diggs is our best wide receiver, maybe the best overall skill guy was taken in the fifth round. So you got a fifth round guy and an undrafted. So again, you know, again, taking wide receivers high in the draft, unless you're absolutely bleeping certain he's a future Hall of Famer, not worth it in my humble opinion. Not really. Uh, like Julio Jones ended up being a no-brainer. He was taken awfully high, and look at him. Oh, as long as he can stay healthy, which isn't always the case, but when he does, that is a no-brainer. Hall of Fame wide receiver, Julio Jones. And, of course, Randy Moss, that's beyond a no-brainer. He is in the Hall of Fame now already, officially. So, pretty cool indeed there. That should wrap up the uh, Fan Interaction segment. I like talking about Kendall Wright and the addition. I think it's solid. And, of course, you got the Shell Richardsons and... Yes, Kirk Cousins, obviously the big, 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 big contract, the big, big, big name and all that. And you got your starting quarterback for at least three years, if not much longer, depending on how things go. And you're standing with for that kind of money and all guaranteed, of course, it's going to be shorter term than, uh, you know, five or six years. You're not going to, this isn't the NBA. And, you know, when it's only, what, 15 guys on the roster at maximum, maximum of 15 guys on the roster is 50-some plus. Football makes a lot of money. TV contracts are through the roof. Uh, stadiums are filled to the brim and all that. Uh, obviously, viewership down a little bit because of certain, you know, politics being brought into the game, which I think the NBA should suffer the same consequences a little bit, even though the politics are a little diff. Well, you know. It's the same politics, but brought about a little differently in the NBA. It's more just talk, 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 where NFL, they're like kneel, 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 kneel. So, yeah, I don't know. It's the kind of stuff it does damage at times because regardless, if you agree or disagree with the opinions of the players and this and that, can we just watch football and basketball? Can we get a break? You know, can we get a break? Because... There's, they're bitching and moaning on CNN. They're bitching and moaning on Fox News. They're bitching and moaning on this. They're bitching and moaning on that. We get our politics. We get our fill of it. And you know what? Some of us like politics, but not all the time. And some of us can't, are sick and tired of it. So let's uh, watch football. Let's watch basketball. And unfortunately, we do live in a day and age. Well, obviously, myself included, we have our opinions. And they're probably... Uh, a bit far away from the center at times. So it is what it is. You know, a lot of people are far from center at times. Some people are, you know, and even centrists are sick of it. Obviously, you just want to watch football. Oftentimes, centrists don't even care about it at all. They just, they don't want to hear about it or see it. So stuff like that can hurt politics. And why am I bringing it on my show? Oh, Joey, stop it. But then again, I didn't really give any opinions. I just said, just, uh, let's just watch sports. 
Isn't that what you're all trying to say at the end of the day? So, yeah, shame on me already. <laughs> so, thanks again for joining the show. There's obviously multiple ways to get on board. There's the phone lines, 209-736-7877, 209-736-7877. It is a voicemail. Do treat it as such. Imagine you're calling in for the Purple Mafia show. To your statement, shout out, comment, question, and opine. It's a three-minute limit because it is a voicemail. Same thing when you hit the call now button on the Facebook page. It goes through Facebook Messenger right to the same voicemail. So you could be anywhere on the planet. You don't have to worry about long distance or anything like that. Uh, you go right through, right away. Same three-minute limit. And then there's the audio submission route, which guys like Mr. Dave Martin use. Uh, Mad Martin, Dave Martin, and others. Had guys like James Beck could use it in Vince Germano. Anybody can use it. Audio submission. Every smartphone and smart device on the planet has free voice recorders. Simply use that. Treat it like a phone call. Maybe even maybe you even have a nice, solid microphone. You could open up Audacity. I think that's what my, Mad Martin uses. It seems like it because the audio is insanely good. It doesn't sound like he's on a phone. And if he is, Dave, if you're on a phone, holy. <laughs> I, wow. I mean... I'm guessing it, it sounds like a microphone to me. So, and that's great because it's podcast quality, you know, sound there. It's, it's awesome, like radio quality sound. So that's great, which I'd like to have here with this little dut, dut, dut up here. I don't know if you heard that tapping on the microphone there. So yeah, if you have that, go for it. Otherwise, smart, smart devices sound just fine too. Use that. Usually keep it to five-ish minutes, but I'm not that picky. Uh, you know, I'm not that picky, even though the the regular season sometimes, regular season games probably keep it to five minutes. <laughs> Off-season shows, I'm not that picky. And if it's super long, I'll just give you the floor. I'm not going to sit and comment and analyze it. I'm just going to enjoy it and let the listeners enjoy it rather than me just rehashing everything you said, which probably is annoying to the listener more than more than I even know. But um, so there's that. Please do do uh, please do do that. Right. <laughs> Record it. Save it. Send it to PaladinoLive at Yahoo.com. PaladinoLive at Yahoo.com. And I will convert it into an MP3 file via Zumzar.com or Converto.com. Thank those websites just for, you know, having them there and uh, having that technology available to convert it into an MP3 file in a matter of seconds. It's pretty valuable stuff. Um, thanks again, everyone, for being a part of this show. Can't thank you enough. God bless you. We'll be talking to you very soon. As we head into, well, we're going to start heading into the abyss a little bit. And, of course, lawn cleanups are hopefully going to get started here just for the sake of getting them done because it's, well, February outside. It's heading into the middle of April here, and it's February outside. Uh, it's going to start warming up a bit this week, at least around here. I'm sure probably Iowa, too, and those of you out there in this in this five-state region, we'll call it, the upper Midwest, uh, oof, I don't know. It's been a, a hell of a cold uh, spring, that's for sure, so far. So cleanups haven't started yet, but the sporadicness of that is going to get started pretty soon. And, of course, it's the off season, and after the draft, things quiet down. But, of course, again, I'll, that will be the next episode. It will be a draft review episode, most likely in May, when given the opportunity to do it. Uh, I hope, depending on how long this uh drags out. Luckily, my brother has his uh, kids helping out, which is which makes a big difference compared to the past. So hopefully I'll get the time to get a draft show in reasonably soon after the draft and have some fun. Hopefully it's a nice positive draft indeed as well. Hope all of you had a wonderful, uh, well, Easter and all that. Uh, hopefully you're staying warm for the most part and it's going to start warming up soon. Stop complaining, damn it, right? <laughs> I should pass out some stars for the episode, even though it's very small uh, going on there. Gold Star, 
to James Back, Silver Star, to <laughs> Mark Carlson, uh, Silver Star to Gerald String, sorry. Uh, you know what? I mean, everybody's going to get a star. You know, bronze and silvers, everybody else. Uh, Leland deserves one for sure, like a Silver Star. He's been around for a while. I've always appreciated Leland. Um, Eric Mostard, I love the comment there and back and forth conversation. So you guys are all going to get stars for this episode because it's been quieter. So I want to thank you. Uh, the Gold Star goes to James Beck for this episode, though. And thanks again, guys, for the conversation. Uh, Silver Star, good for John Gerald, and everyone else gets a bronze that included on this show. And thank you very much um, for joining in, Brent Jacobson and others. Uh, can't thank you enough. And hopefully, again, the Vikings do as well in the draft as they have for the most part the past few years, minus Laquan Treadwell. But maybe he'll step it up this year. <laughs> That's being optimistic. All right, everyone, take care. We'll be back hopefully fairly soon.